Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show you're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and we are hyped up to talk Super Bowl 50. Let's review it, recap it, and sum it all up and put a bow on this NFL season. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, your emails, your comments, everything, today at gmail.com. The show, rayandtaytoday.com. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, iTunes, YouTube, we are social. So you be social back with us. Ray, the sheriff rides off in the sunset. The Broncos win Super Bowl 50, 24 to 10. The MVP, Von Miller, and one of the best defensive efforts in the playoffs we've seen in a while. Where does this rank for you? as a top defense and just a great win for a team that had a lot of great leaders on it. So to me, there's so many storylines here. The game itself was (laughs) middle of the road to below average. The defenses played great. Both defenses played great. But you could honestly say, if you look yourself in the mirror, Both offenses played terrible as well. The defenses caused a lot of problems, but even when they didn't cause the problems, both offenses were very suspect. Now, with Denver, you say, all right, we we predicted that. I predicted they'd score 24 points and win the game. So you figured Denver wasn't going to score that much, but this was the number one high-flying offense for the Carolina Panthers – and they were just beat up. Cam Newton's a big guy, and he was beat up by the Denver defense. So kudos to that pass rush. The two weeks that you gave Wade Phillips and the Denver defense, just Carolina didn't have a chance. I mean, when you look at it in retrospect, and I think Tom Jackson of ESPN said it best, he said the speed that they came with every single Passing down. I mean, even even running, they couldn't really run the ball. But especially on passing downs, the speed that Miller and Ware had from the side, and then the speed of those linebackers, even when you thought you had a little something, you know. Marshall, Trevathan. Marshall, Trevathan. Yeah, all those guys, you know, it's unbelievable. And you know what? Von Miller's performance, only, only two and a half sacks and two caused fumbles. He was Six all over tackles. the place. You thought he had 15 tackles, 10 sacks, and four <laughs> fumbles. This guy, it was like there was two of them. There was 258. There was 106 running around on on the field. I mean, this guy was everywhere. So he was definitely a worthy well, MVP, and that defense was one of the best. I would say I got to go back into the annals, but I got to say that was a top five 
defense in Super Bowl history. I mean, they top three. I, I would have to agree. You know why I say I totally agree with you it's top five because, I mean, we know the Ravens, the Bucks, the Bears, Steelers, and maybe they're right there at five. But I'll say this. You mentioned the speed, and guess what? The speed also came right up the middle. So, Cam, everybody said he should have been running more, and I think he could have ran for a little bit more. That, that I don't know if it's Shula's fault or whatever, but guess what? They came up the middle and on the end, so they were trapped. Miller and Ware, DeMarcus Ware, had him on the, on the outside. Uh, your boy Reamers, the, the tackle, he got killed. So did Michael Orr. But you also had Malik Jackson and Derek Wolf, the unsung heroes of this team. And when you've got the speed and the size to stop the running game up the middle, Stewart couldn't get going. They got them in the third and eights, third and sevens, third and nines, third and twelves. It became too much, and they could just pin their ears back. Plus, you've got Stewart and Ward as the uh, the safeties that were both thumpers. They could come in and give Elway credit. Getting Roby, Tlaib, and Harris, those corners, they basically can all play one-on-one, whether it's outside, inside, and they're they're perfect. This, this defense, and Brandon Marshall said it. People were kind of like laughing at him, but he said we're the, we're the best defense ever. And the reason why you have to actually listen to him is because on every level, pass rushers, up the middle, corners, linebackers, safeties, they really, let's be honest, I mean, we, don't, we can't look at it now because they're so young in terms of where Trevathan and Marshall's careers are going to go. But these guys are unsung linebackers, just like Malik Jackson and Derek Wolf are unsung defensive tackles, you know. So great job from Wade Phillips. But I think the Carolina Panthers offensive line, and we've said this let on our down. show. Yes. And we said down. this on our show, though, right? The receivers and offensive line have never properly been rebuilt to an adequate level. If we're being honest, in the beginning of the season, if you said the Denver Bronco team would be playing a team that you and I both thought would be at best seven and nine to nine and seven, that they would be playing the Panthers in the Super Bowl, we would tell you that the Panthers would lose probably 27-17, 24-10, something like this. The whole storyline got changed because of the MVP performance by Cam, Offensive Player of the Year by Cam, the great Panther defense, and the 15-1 and performance, right? So that's what made me pick the Panthers and a whole bunch of other people because of you're looking at the season and the playoffs. But look at the Panther, look at the Broncos in the playoffs. Ben Roethlisberger, which the Steelers basically could have won that game. But Ben, Brady, and Cam Newton, they only had one passing touchdown. Those three all-pro MVP-type Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. So that's a huge statement by that defense, and they only gave up, I think, four touchdowns total in the whole playoffs. So this is this is a great defense and a great defense. It really run. is. And yeah. speaking of that speaking defense, of that defense a couple of things. You gotta give Elway like Elway a, ton a ton of credit. He went and rebuilt this team. A team that goes to the Super Bowl at thirteen and three and Got punched in the mouth, okay, by Seattle. A lot of GMs would have said, you know what, I'll give a rah-rah speech 
at the end of the season and then the beginning of the next season, and we'll just stay put, stand pat, and this team will be back next year. But only six players, starters, were the same on the team that won yesterday versus or on Sunday yeah on yesterday versus the team that lost what was it thirty eight ten to the Seattle Seahawks. So Elway a ton of credit for getting tougher, for getting faster, for getting better, and all of it on the defensive side of the football. I think all five of his draft picks have been on defense, his first round picks. So for an offensive player that Elway was, a Hall of Fame quarterback. And remember those guys were injured, Ray, in that Super Bowl. Miller was hurt, right. so was Wolf, and uh, yeah. so was so the they big, had, uh, uh, Harris. Right, Harris. The three of them, right, had two torn ACLs and one injury. So, yeah. so if you add them, that'd be nine. So that's nine. Six starters, three guys on IR. But to totally flip a roster like that and Incredible. to come back two years later bigger, faster, tougher and much stronger. stronger. You know, ton of credit to Elway and Wade Phillips and this defense. And you know what? Wade Phillips, let's get back to him for a sec. He was the coach of the Denver Broncos. He was a coach in a couple places. But this guy, now we're back to should this guy be a head coach? Maybe, maybe not. But we do know that as a defensive coordinator, he is outstanding. He gets these guys to play. He brings the pressure. He changes yeah. it up. And Cam Newton is having nightmares. He had them last night. He'll have them tonight. He'll have them for the next couple of months. And you know what he does the best, Ray? He doesn't have them thinking. They play fast because it's sort of a simple design to the defense, and he wants them to play fast and just react and do what they do best. And I think that's where you got to give Wade Phillips so much credit maybe over Foxy, you know, and, and people were like, well, why would you fire Fox and bring in Kubiak and then Wade Phillips? Well, Away saw something. He knew that they were not ready to get over the top with that regime. So give him credit for bringing in somebody he trusted, his ex-roommate, backup quarterback in Kubiak, and then Kubiak being smart enough to say, you know what, the guy that replaced me in Houston was Wade Phillips, and he, you know, is a great D.C., and I need him to be my D.C., and also give DeMarcus Ware. Everybody's saying win it for Peyton. Well, Peyton already had one. DeMarcus Ware, one of the great gentlemen, great players in this game. You know, he might not retire, but he's, you know, at that place where he could. But DeMarcus Ware is a Hall of Famer, played years for your Cowboys, a great linebacker, great pass rusher, also played some defensive end. It was great to see them win it for him as well, Ray, because he is an ambassador and leader, and Von Miller – I think, really matured under the tutelage of DeMarcus Ware. Absolutely. And, and think about the Von Miller story, right? He was drafted number two overall to Cam. Some people whispered in his ear that he might be number one overall. He's number yeah. two overall and then has that great rookie season and then gets suspended. So his star yeah, the marijuana charges, yeah. faded you know, right after his breakout season. He grinds, he grinds, he comes back, he hurts his ACL, comes back better than ever, and now he's a free agent. So talk about peaking at exactly the right time. Oh, he's going to get paid. (laughs) He's going to get paid, yeah. But all the credit goes to, you know, 
that whole defense, the defense as a whole. I mean, I have never, you know, seen a team. I mean, I guess it's happened in the past, but but think about those past two weeks. Like you said, back to back to back. Uh, you know, if you project Camp to be a Hall of Famer, but maybe. But Roethlisberger, Brady, Cam, and they really dominated Brady and and Cam. And these two guys, frankly, are are bad. You know, they're totally different matchups too, right? Ben, Brady, and and Cam are three totally different quarterbacks, all great in their own respect, but unbelievable job by the Denver Broncos. You know, and and let's talk about Peyton for a sec. He wins the second Super Bowl. He goes two and two, and if you think about it, this was the worst performance by an offense in a winning Super Bowl ever. And ninety-four total yards, one hundred and forty-one yards passing. <laughs> Incredible. So Peyton Manning goes out, and frankly, if you think it, this is kind of a shame. But I guess a win is a win is a win, right? But oh, his yeah. two Super Bowls were very unmemorable, right? His the the Super Bowl with Indianapolis yeah, against Chicago, Chicago was right. in the he rain. Like, right? No, he threw for two hundred forty yards. I think he had a couple interceptions. He played very mediocre that day. Luckily, they they just Rex Grossman couldn't lead that Chicago team, and they were playing in the rain in Miami, and and he just was you know did enough to win, and frankly. I, I, you know, maybe we'll that be controversial with this. But do you think game. Brock Osweiler wins this game? Can Brock Osweiler win this game? Probably so. Probably so. If we're the being honest, so dominant. the defense was so dominant and special teams. And let's be honest, the Panthers did not play a good game. So you give the Broncos some credit for that, but I don't give them credit for Gano missing. I don't give them credit for overrunning the punt return. I don't give them credit for, you know, Cam throwing high on a couple of passes, a couple of drops from receivers. But I will say this. I think the Kachari missed call because that was a completed pass. When you make that mistake, then next play, you get the sack fumble for the touchdown. So instead of the Panthers going down and maybe potentially tying it or just shifting the field, maybe it being 3-3 or 7-3 Panthers, you wind up having it 10 nothing. And to me, that really changed the game because the Broncos' defense had the Panthers in a place they've never been. And I think their O-line got shook. They, they could not handle the speed. And there were so many self-induced penalties in this game, you know, some unsportsmanlike and then so many false starts, a couple of delayed, game, delayed games. I mean, this team kind of, as I think Trent Dilfer said, they threw up on themselves. And, you know, yeah, the moment might have been a little too big, but I think they started pressing once they were down 10 nothing, and that missed call. Look, and then Stewart went out for a bit. He came back, but he couldn't run the ball. And then, you know what, the, Corey Brown got hurt, and they kind of missed him, and he had four for 80. He was their, you know, leading receiver. Look, these guys didn't do bad, right? Four for 80. Ginn was four for 74. Greg Olson, four for, you know, now he's the one you need him more from, four for 41. But, um, you know, listen, I think at the end of the day, you said it right on the preview. You're not afraid of this offense. And with that defense, they didn't really have a reason to be afraid. The only way that you're afraid of this offense without Kelvin Benjamin is if the MVP showed up and played like the MVP. 
and they had a plan. Sometimes they spied, like I said they would. There were some spies. And sometimes the pass rush was just so engulfing. It was the Gulf of Mexico, right? They, he couldn't get in up the, up the middle. He couldn't run. He couldn't run on the sides. They got to him so fast. And be, let's be a little critical of Cam. He tends to hold the ball a little bit longer, i.e., well, not, a, not even i.e., plus his receivers don't get open quickly. So when you put those two together, it was the perfect storm. You know? I'm still amazed that they went 15 and one in the regular season. I have to tell you, this offense he to made, me was smoke and mirrors. But but that's why you have the over 16 in games. MVP, you know? Yeah. It's anyway, a, all in all, great season for the Panthers. You got to figure that even at they'll be back. 15 and one, they have a young nucleus. They've got Kelvin Benjamin coming back next year that defense is, is pretty Thomas Davis the only person that's getting up there a little long in the tooth but they need otherwise to Josh Norman you know yeah, he's, they don't, he's they don't have huge time free agents except for Josh Norman the Broncos have got more free agents because you've got Malik Jackson you know Brock and Von Miller and a couple other guys there too so I think the Panthers are more you know I, I listen I told my son, my six-year-old was devastated. He got upset, and I said, listen, Cam Newton's 26 years old. This team will be back. Kelvin Benjamin will be back. They're going to get free agents, draft picks. You know, Jared Allen might retire. They're, they're going to be okay. And I think, you know, look, Vegas already released it, and the Broncos are like number seven. I think it's the Patriots, Steelers, Seahawks, Cardinals, Panthers, Packers. So, you know, Vegas doesn't even think the Super Bowl champs are the top five, top six teams to get back, which, you know, with Brock, we don't know. Because, look, if Manning doesn't retire, he's definitely done in Denver. I think he goes off. Not only does he go two and two, wins the Super Bowl, we got to start to talk about his legacy because I think he will retire. But it's his 200th win, so he's number one passing far. You know, they were tied at 199. He's the first player to win in two different organizations. He took four different coaches to the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, Manning has revolutionized the game from the line of scrimmage, his smarts, his study habits. His legacy is just historic on top of historic. And I want to ask you, because we had him prior to this in our top five. You know, we, we threw in Montana and Brady, sprinkled in Otto Graham and Johnny Unitas. But now – do we have to put Manning at two and two? Do we bump him up to number three all time? What are your thoughts about that? Oh boy, you're splitting hairs. We have this dilemma yeah. with centers in the NBA. You know, what do you <laughs> do about Bill? Uh, what do you do about Russell? What do you do about Chamberlain, Abdul Jabbar? Yeah, you have this same dilemma. From what we know today. I think it's undeniable, at least in our opinion, that Brady and Montana are one and two. You can still make the argument Montana's 4-0, so he you know, maybe has a leg up. But the more you look at Brady and what he's worked with, even though he's 4-2 four, uh, four and two in Super Bowls, those two are one and two, right? Yeah. Then who's number three? So we talked about Otto Graham. We talked about, uh, we said Peyton Manning 
disproportionately regular season and hasn't really delivered in the postseason. But when you start having multiple Super Bowls, five times you were the best player in the league. He's a five-time MVP. I mean, yeah. that's that's crazy. That's Barry Bonds type stuff. You know what I mean? That's uh, <laughs> Barry was seven. Yeah, Peyton Manning, five times the MVP in his league. Best regular season quarterback, hands down. Now he has two Super Bowls. You're in rare air when you have two Super Bowls, right? We always said there are guys out there that have one, but to yeah. get to two, that's a big deal. So you can make the argument that Peyton Manning is the third best quarterback in NFL history. I mean, you can definitely make that argument. Uh, definitely in that three, four, five range, but I wouldn't be mad at you if you said he was third. So just to stir up the pot, because I know I threw out the question on Facebook, and some people brought up two names that we both are near and dear to our hearts. 4-0 Terry Bradshaw, who I will admit as a diehard Steeler fan, doesn't have the career stats. And it was a different game, and they ran a lot. But as great as he was in Super Bowls, his whole career, I can't put Terry on necessarily a top five level. And then your guy, Troy Aikman, who has three. How do you sort of, you know, because people do like to look at Super Bowls, just Super Bowls. But if we're being honest and fair, Troy and Terry, as great as they are, probably Troy a little bit higher. But neither one of them do you put above Favre, Elway, and Marino, do you? No, you can't. They were also, the two of them, also on unbelievable teams that were great offensively (laughs) and defensively, right? For years, you know, Peyton played with mediocre defenses. And for years, Dan Marino played with mediocre defenses. He actually came in the the beginning of his career, had good defenses, then it just faded. So Aikman – and Bradshaw not taking anything away from them. Seven and zero in Super Bowls, uh, but yeah, you can't, you can't, uh, <laughs> you can't put them up there. No, they're 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 good, but but it's a function. Uh, some of it is a function of the system, uh, but but those other guys are outstanding. I mean, they're they're in that next batch, but they're not in that elite elite crew. So we got to talk about Hall of Fame and some of these postseason awards, but I just want to throw this out there, especially since it's Hall of Fame time and eight great gentlemen have just been, you know, uh, put in the Hall of Fame. In five years, we could potentially have a Hall of Fame class for the ages. Five gentlemen might retire after this season. Charles Woodson, Marshawn Lynch, we're hearing that those two are, are gone. Charles already gone. Marshawn, he's you know saying that he's gone. Looks like it's tweeting official. out pictures of his sneakers. <laughs> I love it. How I, funny I, is that? I love you know, I I love me some beast mode, man. Okay, he wait. Should have so, put it. You know what he should have done? He should put it on a lamppost and go oh, real oh, that's, that's, that's old school. That's probably old school East Coast New York style. You know, he's from Oakland. <laughs> I don't know if he do that in Oakland, but he he did it great, right? Potentially Megatron, Calvin Johnson. There's talk well, I that I wanted three, three, four more years out of Calvin. Yes, but I mean, he's still a Hall of Famer, but I'd love to yes, just see him yes. as a oh, fan. Oh, no, of course. But wait, but if we don't get that, and then now potentially the Packers and former Panther great, 
might call it quits. We'll see Julius Peppers, a dominant pass rusher, stud of a player, and then the sheriff, Peyton Manning. Could you see where for the first time ever in NFL history, five first ballot Hall of Famers go in as the class themselves? That would be amazing, historic, and very feasible. Yeah, I would love but that. Remember, remember one thing, these sports writers, they tend to be very, especially in baseball, so less so in football, but also in football. You see they didn't put Terrell Owens in. Uh, uh, they tend to be very kind of prickly, if you will, and I don't think all five of them will be first ballot all of them. For example, Marshawn Lynch won't be a first ballot all of them. No, I know he won't. So they, but they, they showed his stats. His stats are almost exact, Ray, to the great Earl Campbell. Saying touchdowns. And he almost did it in the guard. playoffs too. I mean, yeah. he Earl Earl never had a run like Marshawn had in the playoffs. No. What is it? No. Uh, and Earl doesn't have the rings. Marshawn's got the ring. He's got one and a half rings. I, I still will always give the Seahawks a half a ring for that. <laughs> I love that. I love if that. If you so could anyway, cut a ring in half, I, I would do that and give it to them. Let's let's celebrate the eight guys that got in. So first, without any question, first ballot is Brett Favre. Packers quarterback, you know, you can't even mention the Jets and Vikings, but just, you know, what is he, three-time MVP and a champion, one Super Bowl? One you know. Super Bowl, yeah, one, one, lost one. Lost to yeah. Elway, but yeah. Yeah, so Favre is in. Then my guy, Kevin Green, gets in, third all-time in sacks. Kudos to him, long overdue. He's waited thir- – did, did you realize he's waited 13 years? That's a lot. That's way, that's, that's a long that's, time. That's too much. When you're the top three in any category of history of the league, how could you wait that? That's almost stupid. This is where you, you're right about the prickly writers. And this year, James Lofton and Dan Thaw sat in the room as broadcasters and former players and Hall of Famers, right? But I think we might even need to get guys like that a vote. Now, you could say former players don't need a vote because they, they're playing. They don't get to watch their peers. But guys that maybe are former players that are current broadcasters who do get to, get to watch, like a Dion, a Michael Irving, a Marshall Falk, Dan Fouts, James Lofton, those gentlemen, Chris Carter, those gentlemen, they should be in the room, Ray, because they, to me, who better than someone that was in the trenches you know what I mean? That knows. Because to me, Kevin Green wouldn't have waited that long. Also, Marvin Harrison gets in. Marvin's top three in, what, reception, seven in touchdown. I mean, you know, this is another all-time great. Um, Tony Dungy gets in. Coach for the Colts in Tampa. Should have won one with Tampa, but he won with the Colts. Played for the Steelers, right? You know, a, a great, uh, you know, player. Uh, his own right was a pretty solid player. Did he win a ring with the Steelers? I think he won a ring with the Steelers, didn't he? Yes, I think he was on one of those. Yeah. I think he was on, I think the, he was the on like a 70, the the 78 70, oh. or the 79. Oh, okay. I thought he might have been on the earlier one, like the 74 one. I, I wasn't sure. But, yeah, he was uh, played with the Steelers. And then you have uh, – who was the other player? Oh, Orlando Pace. Orlando Pace should have been in Greatest last. Greatest show on turf. 
protected Kurt Warner, blocked for Marshall. I mean, what else do you need to and say? And they started the pancake stat for him. Remember coming out of Ohio State, uh, number one overall pick, and they just said, how many pancakes did Orlando Pace have today? A great. He he was the pillar of that franchise. Last couple of years, you know, he slowed down, but he was a dominant left tackle for a long time. And then you get in the old guys, right? Dick Stansfield, who was the offensive lineman for the Lions, won some championships, a great player in his own right. And, of course, the snake, Ken Stabler, a year too late because last year he would have been there. Rest in peace. A great quarterback, won a Super Bowl, bunch of Pro Bowls, just, just an incredible player, great leader, a lefty for Ray. And then yeah, the one lefty. of the greatest – Yep, and then one of the greatest owners of all time. He was the owner for five championships. He, I mean, he built a dynasty. Eddie DeBartolo Jr., the owner of the San Francisco 49ers, and his family, his sister and and nephew are still kind of basically running the Niners, but he had to step aside. But his family still owns the team. But, Ray, that's a great class. No, that really oh, that, is because you've got a lineman who was, who was really, elite. really elite. You've got yeah. a, a wide receiver who put up huge stats. You've got obviously Brett Favre. You know, enough's been said about him, but he yeah. really revolutionized not only his performance on the field and, and that enthusiasm that he brought to the field, but his ability to show up every game. Now he had some, yeah. you know, issues with with <laughs> how he got there. Is that it, right? Two hundred ninety-eight games, something like that. Yeah. Well, and Trent Dilfer says it best. He says the best ability is availability. So the very uh-huh. first thing you have to do is be available. You know, Kevin Amen. Green, your pass rusher. So you've got a nice little squad here. Kenny Stabler, your you know would be your backup to Brett Favre. So that's a nice Hall of Fame class, and it's got some character to it. Yeah, no, no, it definitely does. And then for the postseason awards, Ray, Cam racks it up, right? MVP, offensive player, Rivera, coach of the year, your boy, as you said, J.J. Watt, defensive player of the year, third time. That's insane, right? And he's still going. We don't know how many he'll wind up with. Great. He's a great player. Um, Rookie defensive player of the year, Marcus Peters from the Chiefs. He was a stud. Offensive Rookie of the Year, our guy Todd Gurley from the Rams, another future stud at running back and oof, going to L.A. He's going to be like an Eric Dickerson star going to L.A., baby. I see Todd, Todd Gurley's getting ready. He had a nice, humble speech. NFL Honors does a great job. NFL does a great job. Conan O'Brien was hilarious. His opening killed it. Um, you know, he, he really uh, – he's like, the show's going to start off great, just like the Cincinnati City, Cincinnati Bengals, and then fizzle at the end in the last two minutes. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that was great. Then you had um, Comeback Player of the Year, tearjerker Eric Berry, coming back from cancer. You know, not much – what can you say? And then the, the, the award that means so much, right, the Walter Payton Award, Man of the Year, Anquan Bolden. And he beats out Benjamin Watson and Eli Manning, who, you know, amazing in their own rights for what they're doing. But to see and hear all that Anquan is getting done with his foundation and the board, and I mean, just incredible. I, I, 
I was kind of blown away. I was like, wow, Anquan, you're, you're doing it big, man. And obviously Manning raising 25 million. That's insane. You know, so there's, there's a lot of good guys. Look, you hear about the Manzels and the, uh, the idiot uh, the, for the Cowboys. It was with the Panthers. I don't whatever his name is. What is his name? Hardy, Greg Hardy, Hardy, Greg Hardy. Can't even remember him. Right. You hear about guys off the field doing some bad things. There are a lot of good men with great charities that do so much for kids. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson goes to the hospital every Tuesday on his off day. I mean, you know, I think sometimes because the media focuses on the negative, and it's every sport, right? It's hockey, it's baseball, it's That's basketball, life it's NFL. Too. It's life yeah. too, you know. The, These guys do so much. not newsworthy. No, no, you're right. But all of the sports, all of the, the, the professional players in the four major sports are for the 95% of them are good guys, good men that give back to their communities and can't get applauded enough for the role models, for the little things. And a lot of them don't want the hype and credit, right, Ray? I mean, you got to give them credit. A lot of them do stuff and they're like, nah, I don't need a camera crew to show up. I'm just doing X, Y, and Z. I've seen it firsthand. Larry Fitzgerald was at my son's school and my son to this day Fitzgerald, you know, his favorite players are Fitzgerald, Jeter, and Kobe. Well, two of those guys have touched my life. Derek Jeter, my niece was in Jeter's Leaders, a fantastic program in New York City and in Michigan that he does with kids, taking them to colleges. Kobe does stuff. And, you know, Larry Fitzgerald does so much in Arizona and, you know, touched, you know, did so much. And my son firsthand, you know, just seeing Larry Fitzgerald in his school blew him away. It was a program for books and reading. So, you know, these guys, these guys are amazing. So we, we salute them in that. Also, did you notice they had a new award, the Art Rooney Award, um, which was, I think this is new, right, for sportsmanship? That was, yeah. that was great. Um, and who, who, who got that? I forgot who they gave that to. Was that oh, Antonio Brown? That might have been Antonio Brown as well. Or I, I don't know. I forgot who they gave that one to. But he won an award for Fantasy Player of the Year. Um, as well. So, you know, so these, these guys, um, I, I don't know, hats off. I, I thought it was just a great weekend, a great media week. And Charles, like you Woodson, said, Charles Woodson. Sorry, Art Charles Woodson, Art Rooney. That should have remembered that. It was a great way to honor him as he was retiring. And he is definitely a sportsmanship. Charles Woodson. There you go. That was great. And then we got to talk about the halftime and the commercials. What, what what were your thoughts initially uh, about commercials and halftime, right? Well, first you got to talk about Lady Gaga killing oh, it yeah. on the national Love, anthem. Classy. Decked out in red with the glitter it, and the whole guy. <laughs> you sung it well. Some people were like, oh, Gaga's going to try to upstage. No, she's not. She understands. She did a great job. Very nice. She did. I was a little worried about Coldplay at halftime carrying the show. But I think the NFL and the whole organizers, they gave them the props and the colors and the, and the, the kids running yeah. on the stage, and it helped them out. Plus, you could see when Beyonce and Bruno Mars came on how at peace they were because they weren't the headline. So they were able to just go out there, have fun, do their thing without the pressure of having to carry the halftime, and it, it showed – 
And it was perfect, yeah. I think I think they, they threw an assist, you know, to use basketball terminology, they threw an assist to Coldplay, and it was great. I, I think that, you know what I liked about made... that the most, Ray? You know what I liked about that? that the most? Beyonce and and Bruno, the sta- even the staging of it, it was almost like sort of like a back-and-forth battle, like a battle of the bands. And what I thought was kind of cool is then when, you know, um, Chris Martin and Coldplay came in and then you kind of had the three of them and they were kind of like moving up and down the stage, you know what I mean? Like that was, right. you, know, you know, and then, then Coldplay kind of ended it with their last song and finished it. But Beyonce did a new song. She like always looked amazing. Well, she announced amazing. her tour and a new album. So Beyonce yeah, knows how to play. Yeah, formation. Uh, she song formation. I love that. The formation single and tour. But then Bruno basically played what we know is the, basically like the song of the year. He'll probably win it at a Grammys. Uptown Funk, which my kids love. And so it was kind of like, it was kind of perfect, right? Because kids know that song. It's been playing for like the last year and a half on the radio. And then you get a new song from Beyonce, a very, you know, famous artist. And then, you know, for people that don't know Coldplay as much, because they're big, but they're kind of not, they're not as big. People don't know, not everyone knows Coldplay. And, but they sounded great. And like you said, they had all the perfect bells and whistles. And then it was just, boom, it was a perfect, much better than what we thought or predicted. It was, it was fantastic. I was very, very entertained. All right, now well, the let's commercials, talk commercials. Right? Yeah, Tell me let's about talk commercials. commercials. What'd you think, man? Uh, I got to tell you, I was a little disappointed in the commercials. A give lot me of your movies. Top, give me your top three. Give me your top three. What, which ones did you like? How about that? All right, let's start with the ones that did you like. They always deliver Doritos, man. They always deliver entertaining <laughs> commercials. And anybody that's a... Anybody that's a father or a mother or has been through the yeah. sonogram, that was yeah. hilarious. That <laughs> was so, so funny, Ray. It's, it's almost unbelievable. It's almost like they did that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> kudos like to them. One. And I really like the one with the kids. You know, they, they, they gave you a little teaser, the 15-second, the, the one that the NFL sponsored. They gave you the 15-second teaser, the 15-second teaser. And then at the end, they gave you the one that ties it all together where nine months later, you know, they have the fans. Oh, with Seal. With Seal, exactly. That was the best. The, the best ever. Yeah, that, that was, was awesome. Me. That was definitely one where it brings, you know, family and the NFL and then – they show what sixty seven the the you know, the first or sixty six I guess the first Super Bowl and then the, the Steelers Super Bowls and the Cowboys Super Bowls and the Niners Super Bowls how the kids so are now of age so it's pretty great so you have fifty year olds and then you have you know one year olds and, and I thought it was great I thought it was really fun and entertaining yeah. and then yeah the the third commercial you know there there were some good ones. Um, Did you like any of the you know, car commercials? So, <laughs> the Kevin Hart commercial was actually pretty funny. Oh, uh, Kevin Hart, that was great. That was early yeah, on. Well, he was, about you know, that anybody was who's a father can yes. understand that. Like, I'm tracking well, of, my of, of, child. Of yes, a father of a daughter. <laughs> Definitely a father of a daughter. I'm tracking my child wherever you are. Uh, uh-huh. So, it was a little goofy, but it was funny. It was, you no, could definitely was... see. That you was definitely see fathers trying to get that. But what about the where one is with, my car? What about the one in the woods where the uh, there was the what is the bear was like? I'm gonna give him a hug. The other was like, oh, I was gonna eat him. 
And, oh, and, and yeah, they yeah, picked, yeah. The Hyundai, Hyundai the came Hyundai. out strong. I mean, they had, I think, strong. five commercials. I was shocked. Hyundai really stepped it up. For me, it was Doritos, Seal, Hyundai. Um, those were kind of the, the biggest ones that I liked. You know, I thought there were some kind of in Porte, not Porte's, I don't know. But, yeah, there was other ones, you know, that I just didn't didn't necessarily work. Overall, though, it was uh, not one of the – it would not be in the 50 Super Bowls, and we've seen, you know, like 40 of them or so. I, it was not in any top 10 or top 20 of them. Uh, definitely not. It was not a great commercial year. Um, no, no, it was on the weaker side. I got to tell you, yeah. the game itself was on the weaker side, too. Yeah, I mean, it, no, there were a lot of storylines. But no, between the game and the game, commercials, no. no, this is not one of your more memorable Super Bowls, unfortunately. But Peyton Manning's storyline, and then we have to see how this plays out for Cam. Does Cam become Come the back next Dan Marino? Yeah, yeah but, or, or is he Dan Marino, well, who, who well, went to a Super would, Bowl early in his career? Adam Archuleta talked about this. Adam Archuleta talked about this. You go as yeah. a rookie, you assume you can go. Now, Cam's not a rookie, but he's still on the early part of his career. Will he, he make know, it back? He was at the same age as Brett Favre was when Brett Favre went and won it, fifth, fifth season. This is Cam's fifth year, and Brett Favre right. won it in his fifth year. Favre yeah. goes back-to-back, back, but then never made it after that in a long career, in an in a 20-year career. Favre well, no, he made seasons. his fifth year, and then he made it later on to lose to the Broncos. No, that, that was back-to-back. Back. He made it his oh, fifth year, right. and then he made it his sixth year, and then oh, he went all the way to year 20 and didn't make it. He came close with right. the Vikings okay, that's when he true. threw that's that right. yeah. interception in overtime against the Saints. Uh, but he, he came true. close. But, yeah. yeah, fifth and sixth year. So, wow. you know what the lesson is? Can't take anything for granted. You have no. to pretend like this is your first and only appearance in the Super Bowl, and you got to do whatever you can to capture that moment, play the best you can, and win. And win. So, Cam can't Definitely. take anything for granted, even with that great defense, you know, because you could make the argument. One last note, too, Ray, i got to ask you about. This was, to me, very – nostalgic before the game Phil Simms had to leave the booth and he went down and they had the you know all the living and then some guys from their homes the 50 MVPs of the Super Bowl that was great now some guys were kind of banged up and limping and didn't look so great but overall it just took you down memory lane and it made you realize you have some very obscure MVPs like you know like uh, Malcolm uh, Smith from the Seahawks and Right. You know, some Brown, other guys or whatever. Cowboys but, that picked up your guy, Neil O'Donnell. Yeah, Larry Brown. And then you realize, wow, Harvey Martin's not here because you see Randy White and no Harvey Martin. You know, it just it just was – it was great to see. You're like Aikman and Bradshaw and Favre and Brady, Montana, Rice. It was Lynn Swan, right? Seeing him, no, Frank O'Hara's. It, it warmed, warmed my heart. heart. Richard because Dent, been yeah. a part of our lives for so long, and we remember these guys like, wow, they, they were giants to us, giants. you know? So, I think we have a caller might want to talk yeah. about the Super Bowl. Definitely, definitely. Hello, caller, hey, on the air with Ray and Shay. Seth from Manhattan. Hey, Seth, Seth. How are you? You didn't get your 17-15, but you definitely called a low-scoring game. Yeah, and an ugly game that Peyton would somehow – 
these play terrible, but yet they win the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty amazing. One of the worst offensive can. performances of all time, and he's a winner. In this day and age, 141 passing yards wins the Super Bowl. It's, impo- it's so hard to believe. 141 passing yards. But you, you know Incredible. what it is, though, Seth? It goes to show you now 10-2, and two, a number one defense is 10-2 and two in Super Bowls, and defense still wins championships. That is no true. matter what era that, you're in. That is true. Yeah. And um, can we also talk about the Knicks, what happened today? That's where we're going yeah. next. Thank All right. Well, perfect. perfect segue. We're going to the NBA. Seth, tell me a couple things, right? I've heard rumbling, mm-hmm. so I knew that this might be happening. But were you surprised? And also, three questions. Were you surprised? Who do you want for the next head coach? And do you think Phil Jackson might need to go soon as well? Um, was I surprised? Yes, because I didn't think – I thought the year they were having was better than expected, but I hated Derek Fisher from day one. I thought he's I – never, I never liked him. He had a different beard every game also, which is kind of funny. His beard is different color <laughs> and different it's, – it's, like, it's very different. I, don't, I really – I'm not I like sure that. if it's a real beard. I'm not sure if it's a real beard. I'm really not sure. But um, the next coach I want, I want Thibodeau. And Phil Jackson, he runs the team from L.A., I think. I don't know if he lives in New York. I don't know what his deal is with this team. He's, he's running the team, I think, from L.A. because he's with Jeannie Buss or whatever. He's, he's, an, he's a Laker. He's not a Knicks. He should be running – he should be in the Lakers front office, not the Knicks. So, yeah, he should go. He made a great pick with Porzingis, but now the triangle has to go, and you got to build a team around Porzingis. And Thibodeau would be the perfect coach because he would teach defense to this young team, and it would he would be able to install his kind of off, his kind of defense. And they play they play tough, and that's what the Knicks have to play tough. Because Porzingis is he's not tough yet; he's not physical enough yet. And Thibodeau would be able to teach it to him. But does Melo want to play for Thibodeau, who you know the rough practices and this and that, and would free agents want to come to New York to play with Thibodeau? That's my question. Yeah, he's a grinding coach, and ask the people in Chicago. They hated practice, and they hated playing those long 82-game seasons under Thibodeau because by the time the playoffs come around, you're spent. But he's a great coach. Having said all that, he's a great coach and definitely a defensive-minded, you know, one of the defensive geniuses. He was the, the defensive coordinator, quote-unquote, for the Boston Celtics when they won, you know, with the big yeah. three. I think they're going to go after Luke Walton, though. That's who I think they're going to yeah. get. Walton. That's what they're saying. We got. Yeah, so I think him because of also what he did in Golden State this year and how hot of a prospect he is. How about but Mark Kurt, Jackson, though, Seth? What about bringing no, back St. John's former Knicks no. point guard, Mark Jackson? I'm a huge St. John's fan. I'm watching the game right now against Georgetown, actually. I like Mark uh-huh. Jackson, but nah, I don't want to. Wait, I don't what do you know about that? We grew up with St. John's Georgetown, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a huge St. John's what, fan. That's Mark great. Jackson and Phil Jackson, so the two Jacksons, the brothers from another mother, they can't coexist. So if you bring Mark Jackson, I don't think he can – I don't think Phil Jackson as a GM would hire Mark Jackson as a coach. But he could very well hire Luke Walton because that's his guy. He played for him. He is probably able to mold him. And I think ultimately, Seth, you hit on a good point. We talked about this off air, uh, Ray and Tay. Phil Jackson is probably the issue now because coaches and free agents, you know, I'm not sure that we can get 
top-notch coaches and top-notch free agents now under Phil's system. I think nobody Phil, wants a triangle. Let's yeah, be honest. It doesn't it. work in this game. It's a different game. Well, it like also doesn't work. It also doesn't work when you don't have Scottie Pippen or Michael Jordan or <laughs> Kobe Bryant or Shaq on your team. So Definitely. you know. Phil, and he deserves all the credit in the world, right? But he leaves the Albany Patroons, takes over for our boy Doug Collins, and inherits a gold mine everywhere he goes. And then when he comes to New York, he's stuck with, you know, Mello and the boys. So this is not quite the, the, the Lakers or the Bulls that he coached. And ultimately, I think you need a rebuilding GM, and maybe you need a young coach to to – mold them in in their wait, wait, you know, in you know their... Dolan wants to hire Isaiah you know that right oh goodness he's got a love affair with Isaiah that dates back uh, 20 years <laughs> I don't know what's going on there but don't give me Isaiah Thomas I love him as a player under yes, superstar but I want to Luke Walton Luke Walton comedy on ESPN anytime he does a game must see TV you could call it, it comedy I could call it grating on my nerves I don't <laughs> like Bill Walton's commentary hey Seth thanks for the call this is great we got another caller so we'll pass this caller in but uh, mm-hmm. stay on the line and listen to the rest of the show and keep calling we love your calls alright All right, thank you have a good night guys. thanks Take a lot alright we got another caller hello you're on the air with Ray and Tay Hey, what's up, guys? It's uh, Joey. Hey, Joey. What's up? Where are you calling from? Uh, New York. New York. Hey, what's great. on your mind, Joey? Okay, cool. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that they got rid of Fish. Um, you know, I think uh, we it's it's kind of hard just going straight from player to coach. I, I think it's kind of a stupid trend, you know. Um, yeah, only you know, Jason well, Kidd was able to do that really successfully. Doc Rivers, too, but Jason Kidd was, was the yeah. recent guy that would be able to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's – I mean – yeah, so I mean, I'm kind of have a got Kurt Rambis, but anyway, another, another topic. Um, so I mean, I listen to you guys shows a lot. I'm actually a first time caller, but a long time listener. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. You. I mean, you guys are like up there with like Francesca to me. <laughs> we appreciate know. it. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that, yeah, but we definitely I appreciate mean that. So um, I was just wa- I was wanting to uh, have some advice. Like right now, I'm a freshman in college, and like I'm still. <laughs> Hello? Joe, are you with us? Oh, he dropped off. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he was drunk somewhere bad or not. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Anyway, but but when it comes to first-time coaches, you know, he did bring up a good point, though. It's not easy to end a season in April, May, or June and then turn around in August and September and do a training camp and be a first-time coach. Now, point guards have an inherent advantage, but it's not easy. So No, it's not, but trend, I don't want to say that they can't do it and do it well because I don't think that that's true. I think guys can do it well. So I don't, don't want to – Don't you think being an assistant coach for a couple of years would help, would help guys, would help – I mean, look, Mark Jackson did it. 
um, although he was in the booth a little bit. But they were there are first-time head coaches that did well, Doc Rivers, Jason Kidd. But in general, I think anytime you learn a new craft, a year or two of an apprenticeship is not a bad idea. No, no, it's it's not at all. It's not. Look, it's going to be interesting. We, we'll we see where the Knicks go with this, you know, whether they, you know, Luke Walton gets a shot, which I would definitely be in support of. I think he did a great job. But like you said, right, he did a great job of Golden State. Look at this roster, right? Look at, I think, see, that's why I like Mark Jackson. He built up that Golden State that Kerr kind of rolled with. It's like Doug Collins with, uh, with the Lakers, right? It's Phil Jackson got Doug Collins sort of helped it, and then they improved the roster. And then, you know, Phil went rolling away with Horace Grant and then the big three, and then the next time around with Rodman in the big three. Well, it's the same thing here. You know, Mark Jackson instilled Clay and these guys playing defense, drafted Draymond Green. So, I don't know. Don't be, sh- don't be shocked if Mark Jackson winds up the Knicks coach, maybe the Nets coach. I think Mark Jackson's a great coach, and I'd like to see him – back with a job. I don't know what the Nets are going to do. Um, talking NBA, we got the All-Star Weekend coming up, so we'll talk about that on Friday. Real quick, great game on Saturday. Warriors against the Thunder was, you know, the first time they met up this year. They play, I think, two more times. The Warriors play the Spurs three more times. Must-see TV on Saturday night. And I think getting from that game, I think the – the Thunder might be the only team that can beat them, but I think right now Curry is the MVP and the best player in the league. I don't want to say by far because Westbrook got busy. Durant got busy. I just think that, look, he's still number one in scoring at 29 a game. He doesn't play fourth quarters, 29.8. Now you got Harden and Durant you know, chasing him down with 27 points a game. I don't know if you've kept up with what Harden's been doing lately, but since his slow start, Ray, this guy is averaging like seven assists a game, 30 points a game, like in his last 15, 20 games, Harden's going crazy. So and you're saying he's earning the $200 million from Adidas. Yes, he is. And Westbrook <laughs> is second behind Rondo with 10 assists a game, averaging, yes. you know, 20-some-odd points. You know, he's not in the top five, but, I mean, he's averaging like 24 points a game. He's right there. So it's just cats are balling. It's not just the Warriors, even though it seems like that's the only storyline, sort of like the Cavs and the Warriors. Guess what? Other guys are having great seasons. It's going to be a great all-star weekend. We're excited about it. Toronto, the host city, you know, we've talked about what, you know, Lowry and DeRozan are doing. The Raptors playing tonight. They've won, I think, you know, 10 out of their last 14 now. They're second Nine out of team. 10 out of 10. Yeah, and they're right behind they're right behind but you've mentioned it and we've said it, they're right behind the Cavs, but you still don't think that they've got the roster to beat the Cavs, and I'd have to agree with you. So let's see as the deadline comes up, what, February, I think the twenty first, right? Who makes moves to battle the Warriors and the Cavs? That's the question. You know? Yeah, I think the yeah, West think is the pretty West set. Pretty I think the West might be made in the East. Because you figure all you got to do is put you your You don't think the Clippers might tweak a little? What about the Clippers tweaking? I think they like their roster now. I think Doc, the GM, thinks that Doc, the coach, has all the right tools. And I'm not sure 
they are look they're playing great without Blake and Blake comes back and they integrate him and they're not a roster issue. I think they're just an execution issue. Also, you're adding More somebody, measure. let's say late February, that's going to be tough. That's a veteran right. team now. They know how to play together. Reddick, uh, you know, and Chris Paul and know how to play together. Most teams yeah, and, 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 and then to reintegrate Blake and a free agent, I'm not sure. I'm not sure well, they're going to make a move. Let, let's finish strong with some college hoop. We've got a couple minutes left. we got some new rankings. The new number one, first time, yo, Villanova and Jay Wright, Ray. Number one, the Wildcats of Villanova representing at 20-3. and three. That is amazing. First time in history. You've got Maryland, two, Oklahoma, three, Iowa, four, Xavier, five, Kansas down to six, Virginia, seven, Michigan State, put it on Michigan, number eight, our Tar Heels had a rough week with two losses, right? Louisville and the Notre Dame dropped down to nine. And West Virginia had a nice little win over the weekend. They are at 10. What are your thoughts? Do you, do you believe in this Villanova team? I think Jay Wright might actually have, I mean, the kid, um, oh, my God, what's his name? Dow Reynolds and the guards. They got some ballers on Villanova, Ray. You could actually see where I don't think, you know, Iowa will last, but Villanova, Maryland, and Oklahoma, those might be three number ones. And then the fourth number one, I think, could be up in the air between Xavier, Kansas, North you know, Carolina, one of these other Big Ten teams Michigan on North State, Carolina. Maybe. Yeah. So Villanova's a good team, and I do believe that they can make a deep, deep run into the into the yeah, Jay Wright got the he's got the weapons. He does. Uh, I'm not sure that I would if I was in Vegas. I'm not sure I would put my money on Villanova, but good for them. First time in history, not in '85. They were an eight seed when they beat Georgetown. <laughs> oh, not yeah. <laughs> uh, you know the past five years where they've been a number one a, c- a couple of times going into the tournament. Have they ever been ranked number one overall? So good for them. Any Big East team that's ranked number one, you know that warms our heart. Uh, I actually think your Maryland team looks really good. We're good, right? And they are, you know, they got size, they got skill, they have backcourt, they have shooters. I like that, some shooters. I like that Oklahoma team. They they might rely on Buddy Hill a little too much. Um, uh, Like you said, Iowa. Not convinced. They had those two big wins over Michigan State. Uh, Xavier's a good team. Xavier, look out for Xavier. I also think that Providence team, you know, uh, probably rely a little too much on Chris Dunn, but they're they're. Yeah, a good I've team seen them get shut, shut down, down right? You know, Providence gets locked down if Chris Dunn doesn't score, and he's had like three bad games in a row. Providence just they're falling apart. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know who's good? You got to watch out for two teams Xavier. right there at ten and eleven. West Virginia and Oregon. They, yeah, they West play Virginia's some trap is unbelievable. Uh, Huggy, right. Huggy Bear has his boys playing some D. They're like the Arkansas teams of you know the early uh, '90s with Nolan Richardson, forty minutes of hell. They get you. The court is ninety-four feet. They get you at like ninety-three and a half feet. They're all <laughs> over you. <laughs> hey, got to give props to Shaka Smart. Texas is back. Charlie Strong gets the recruits for football. And now Shaka Smart is in the top 25 at number 24. Props to Texas. The Longhorns, 
they could make a tournament run. 16-7, and seven, great coach, good athletes, and I think that they're ready to play some, some good ball. I tell you, the Big 12 is loaded. You got West Virginia, Baylor, Kansas, all these teams, Ray, Oklahoma. Iowa uh, you know, State, they keep beating up on Iowa each other. State. And you know who's a good team to look for? I'm telling you right now, the Boilermakers. Maryland beat them, but Purdue showed up and played great ball at 19-5. and five, Purdue is a team that most teams in the tournament, Ray, they do not want to see them. They are tough, tough team. Fundamentally sound, like Purdue a lot. So you know I always get depressed on this day okay. because we All don't right. have football until August. So give me something to be excited about for okay. the next couple months. I got something for you. The combine is coming up, Ray. The, the combine is coming up. College okay. basketball is heating up, conference play. You have the women, South Carolina against UConn. You got to check that Great out. Great matchup. 22-0, both of them playing tonight. That's a, that's a huge game um, for college uh, basketball for the women and just a great college basketball game. Also, pitchers and catchers are coming soon. You know, baseball, you heard about that sport. I think the NBA All-Star Weekend will carry you. You've got the Grammys Monday night. That's going to carry you for a bit. The NBA will carry you and pass the baton to college basketball, which passes the baton to baseball. Then in between that, you bounce from the combine to the draft, and then I think you settle in opening day. Spring is here. You put your feet up, and you're a happy man. So, and then comes the NBA playoffs. So, you know, you're, you're going to be okay. Don't, don't right. get sad. Don't get depressed. <laughs> you're going to be All okay. Right. And then you got to look forward to next year. The Panthers and the Broncos will play each other in the regular season. So, you know, the schedule release and all that stuff. So, you know, look, it's going to be fun. And also, one of our favorite things, NFL free agency. So you'll get some free agency, some trades coming up March 7th, March 9th. The season starts March 9th. Manziel will be cut. We'll see what happens. So we'll have fun. We'll have some guests on, hopefully, to talk about this NFL draft. College basketball, maybe we uh, pull out another, uh, you know, maybe we can get, you know, Seth Davis to join us again. He's talked college basketball with us. Go back and listen to our shows on iTunes.com backslash Ray and Tate Today or go to RayandTayToday.com. Here's some great interviews talking college hoops, talking NBA. We got you covered. Enjoy the rest of this week. It's great sports week, college hoops, NBA leading into Toronto, and the NBA All-Star Weekend. That is always fun. Thanks for listening. The Sheriff Peyton Manning rides off two and two in Super Bowls, and the Denver Broncos are the 2015 NFL Super Bowl champs. Congratulations, Pat Bolin, his wife. Rest in peace, Pat Bolin. You love Elway. This one's for Pat. Class organization. Credit to the Bronco Nation and John Elway, Manning, Von Miller. Job well done. Peace. Thanks for listening. We're out.